0: Christchurch, New Malden, 22nd of December 2019, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurt and Rob Shrimpton at the Children's Carol Service. But There is so much about this old Christmas story that's extremely tricky and difficult to believe.
1: Well, good morning everyone and welcome from me as well. I'm Mr. Uncritical, your other storyteller here this morning. And I've got to tell you right from the start, Mr Skeptic, that there is no place at all for all your doubts. Christmas is a time for putting away our questions and simply accepting the truth of this fabulous story about God coming in baby Jesus to set us all free.
0: Yeah, but surely, Mr Uncritical, all this stuff about a virgin birth, shepherds and angels and wise men coming from gift with gifts from the East... Surely that's all stuff, that we've at least got a question. I mean, it hardly seems very likely, does it? Question it? Not at all! That won't get
1: us anywhere. What we need is a strong, uncritical confidence in the Christmas story.
0: Oh, no, we don't. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, yes, we do. Look, Mr. Uncritical... Enough of the panter. This isn't the general election, you know. I think that most people in this church this morning would be be with me in saying that there's so much of the Christmas story that either seems ridiculously far-fetched or simply doesn't fit with what we know from history. And surely being a Christian is not about switching our minds off, but properly engaging them. Well, I'm not
1: sure about that. I think responding to these stories is more about trust and faith. Why don't we get on with telling the Christmas story together this morning, Mr. Sceptic, and let people here decide whether they prefer your negative, sceptical questioning or my invigorating, inspiring faith. I'm sure they'll prefer my approach.
0: Well, I'm not so sure, Mr. Uncritical. They may not look very bright. But I'm sure that most of the people here today, certainly once they hear what I have to say, will much prefer my thoughtful questioning to your uncritical fundamentalism.
1: We'll see, we'll see. Our story will begin in a moment, but let's all stand together and sing our first carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And as we sing it, let's have all those who've come here this morning dressed as Joseph or Mary Up you come, or any angels up here onto the platform. He sung, everyone, with real faith, do take a seat. We've sung about Bethlehem, but our story actually starts in Nazareth. Come and sit down, Joseph, Mary's.
0: You sit down here.
1: Okay. Now, you're like that, Mr. Skeptic, because Nazareth was up north. And it was there that Mary was engaged to a carpenter called Joseph. But before they were married... An angel came and told Mary that she would have a baby called Jesus, who would be God's promised
0: rescuer. You see, the problems start right there, don't they, Mr Uncritical? I mean, how can we believe that Mary got pregnant without Joseph being involved? All of us know that's not how babies are made. Virgin birth, virgin on the ridiculous, more like. Oh, Mr Skeptic, it's only a problem
1: if we make it one. God can do anything he wants to and our job is just to believe it. That's what God wants from us. Blind, uncritical faith. I don't agree. I think God wants us to be honest. No, no I don't think that's true at all. I think at Christmas time, in particular, most people in this church prefer my resolute faith to all your cynical doubts.
0: I don't think so. I think they all prefer my intellectual honesty to your fundamentalist flannel.
1: Oh, no they do.
0: Oh, yes they do. Oh, no they do. Oh, yes they do. Oh, no they do. Oh, yes they do. Now, listen
2: boys, I think you both need to calm down.
0: Who are you?
2: I'm Mrs. Reasonable. I've been watching what's going on and I've got to say I think you're both wrong. You, Mr Uncritical, for dismissing the perfectly reasonable questions that Mr Skeptic wants to raise. And you, Mr Skeptic, for not searching hard enough for the answers.
1: Well, I must say I don't care for your tone. Surely belief in the virgin birth is a matter of faith.
2: Yes, but not blind faith. You'll get much further with Mr Skeptic if you explain that belief in the virgin birth didn't spring from nowhere.
0: Uh, hold on, now I'm the one who's getting suspicious. What do you mean?
2: Well, if you'd both read your Bibles more carefully, you would know that right from the start, it's the story of God being the sole giver of life. Human disobedience brought that life under threat, but the entire story of God's rescue plan has him bringing life where people thought that none was possible. Sarah having Isaac, Rebecca having Jacob, Hannah having Samuel, and Elizabeth having John. None of these births were possible in human terms, but God brought them about. They were signs that God is the sole source of life.
0: Well, hold on, surely this is reasonable. The virgin birth of Jesus was something different altogether.
2: Well, it's the most amazing of these events, agreed but see it in the light of the whole biblical story and we can see it as the climax of where this wonderful story right from the start was always going.
0: Well, I must confess that's a little bit different from the uh, purely defensive response I normally hear from his sort.
2: And something
0: that, well, perhaps I'd like to think a bit more about. Me too. I don't
1: think I've ever quite seen it that way before, but anyway, on with the story. Soon after Mary discovered that she was expecting a baby, she and Joseph had travelled down to Bethlehem because Emperor Augustus had ordered that a census take place and everyone had to travel to their hometown to be registered. This, as Luke tells us, was the first census
0: that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And I've got to say, I've got really big problems with that as well.
2: Well, put them on hold for the moment, Mr Skeptic, and let's stand and sing our next carol, Little Donkey. And while we sing it, we want the angels to go and sit down and the Marys and Josephs to make their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So follow me and I'll show you the way. And donkeys as well.
1: What a lovely carol. Do sit down, everyone. So, Mary and Joseph traveled all the way from their hometown in Nazareth
0: in time for the census in Bethlehem. But I'm afraid that's just full of problems, Mr Uncritical. First of all, Matthew doesn't tell us anything at all about Mary and Joseph coming from Nazareth. He gives the impression they came from Bethlehem. And second, there's no historical record at all of this census to which Luke refers. Quirinius was governor of Syria, but only a number of years later. And so it's more than possible, very possible, I would say, that Luke made the whole thing up. Made it up? How dare you? I'm
1: sorry, but I'm not sure I can continue telling the Christmas story alongside this faithless man. Mrs. Reasonable, surely you agree with me?
2: Has got a point, Mr. Uncritical. Matthew and Luke do look rather different on this.
0: There you go, Mr Uncritical. What did I say?
2: But that doesn't mean that their accounts aren't true or incompatible, Mr Skeptic. There is a strong possibility that whilst Mary came from Nazareth, Joseph came from Bethlehem. He could easily have been working up in Nazareth for a time or perhaps gone there to fetch his bride and take her back to his hometown of Bethlehem.
1: And the census, whilst Quirinius was governor of Syria, that's not in doubt, is it?
2: Well, again, Mr Skeptic is right. Quirinius definitely did come later as governor of Syria. But the word protos that Luke uses here when it's placed with a genitive can mean before to the first. And this would mean that Luke is telling us about the census that happened before the Quirinius one. Ancient history contains plenty of gaps, Mr. Sceptic, and just because we don't hear about this census anywhere else doesn't mean that it didn't happen.
1: Well, fascinating stuff. With the help of Mrs. Reasonable, I'm beginning to see the value of your questions, and even your doubts, Mr. Sceptic.
0: Well, I'm beginning to see that an inquiring mind of these Christmas stories can go together. But can we really believe all of that stuff? about jesus being born in a stable because the hotels in bethlehem were all full up and all those sentimental christian pictures of baby jesus surrounded by cuddly animals i mean just look at them they make you want to puke
1: (laughs) of course we can you're drifting back into spoiling this wonderful christmas story mr skeptic
2: no he's not mr uncritical he's made a good point and it's got a yes and no answer. The Bible doesn't say anything about a stable or an innkeeper. The so-called inn was probably the guest room of a normal house. But the manger that Jesus was placed in does point to him being born in that part of the house that animals were usually brought into at nighttime. And that shows that Luke is wanting us to know that the birth of Jesus, rather than being grand and impressive, was something humble, lowly, and not at all cuddly.
0: Well, you've certainly got me a bit more interested, Mrs. Reasonable. I don't think I've ever received these answers to my questions before. Perhaps I have, uh, well, maybe, been a little bit hasty. But, but, But it's our time we sang our next carol. So as we sing, we want Mary's and Joseph's, you've come dressed up beautifully this morning, we want you to go and sit down, and we want the angels to come back here on top of the platform with any shepherds that we've got here this morning. Do you think you can manage that? Some Ares and If you go and sit down and Shepherds and Angels off here on platform. It was on a starry night. Stand up everyone.
1: Wow, beautifully sung everyone. Take a seat. Take a seat everyone. And that night, there were shepherds out on the hills above Bethlehem, looking over their sheep When an angel of the Lord came down and told them that that day in the town of David, a Saviour had been born to them, Christ the Lord. The shepherds were told that the sign to them would be a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then a great company of heavenly hosts suddenly appeared with an angel praising the Lord and singing the glory to God in the highest. Got a problem with that, Mr. Skeptic?
0: Well, given that you've asked, yes, I have. I mean, how many of us here this morning have ever seen angels, let alone the old company of the heavenly host? If this story has any basis at all, any historical basis, then those simple shepherds must have just imagined the whole angel bit. Oh, Mr Skeptic, I
1: pity you. With all your doubts and questions, you miss out on so much
0: that a bit more faith could give you. But truth matters, Mr Uncritical. I mean, has an angel ever appeared to you? He certainly hasn't to me. Well, well, no, but
2: no, that's hardly the point. Can I say something?
0: I wish you would.
1: I need support against this Grinch trying to steal my Christmas.
2: Well, Mr. Skeptic is right. We don't see angels all the time. And the Bible doesn't say that we do. In its stories, they occur pretty infrequently. That's why we're told that the shepherds were terrified. Angels come at special points in the Biblical story when the life of heaven is connecting in a dramatically new way with the life on earth. And the inclusion of the angels here, and in such a number, was to show that Jesus' birth was the greatest possible example of the life of heaven breaking in on earth.
1: Precisely, Mrs Reasonable. That puts you in your place, Mr Skeptic.
2: Well, there is as much of a challenge for you here as well, Mr Uncritical.
1: Oh? How is that?
2: Well, if you had realised how much Jesus' birth represented the life of heaven breaking in on earth, you'd have paid greater attention to the way that it turned the whole of the status quo on earth completely upside down. What
1: do you mean?
2: Well, in your summary of the angels and the shepherds just now, you left out a crucial bit. The bit where the angel said that he brought good news of great joy for all the people. At the heart of the Christmas story and the life of heaven breaking in on earth through the coming of Jesus, is the good news that God coming in Jesus totally shook up the status quo because it represented the God of heaven being for everyone. Shook
0: up the status quo? God being for everyone? You're starting to make the Christmas story sound quite radical, Mrs Reasonable.
2: It's as radical as you could possibly get, Mr Skeptic. Mm. The sad thing is that when it's put in a box called religion, as both you and Mr Uncritical have done, most of this then gets missed. I'm sure I'll have more to say about this in a moment.
1: I'm sorry, but now I'm getting suspicious. I'm not sure I want my Christmas story to be radical.
2: I know you don't, Mr Uncritical. And it's one of the biggest reasons why people like Mr Skeptic get so turned off the Christmas story and think it's sentimental nonsense. The angels in the Christmas story symbolized that the life of heaven was breaking into earth with the coming of Jesus in a way that meant that everything in the world, including its politics, was being turned completely upside down.
0: Well, do you know what? I don't think I've ever seen it that way before. It's a very radical story, isn't it?
2: It sure is, Mr. Skeptic, and one that your skepticism, just as much as Mr. Uncritical's uncriticalness, is often in danger of missing.
1: Well... I'm learning a lot as well. Maybe I need to stop being so uncritical and ask a few more questions.
0: And maybe I need to look a little bit harder for the answers. Well, yeah, a lot to think about. It's the last part of our Christmas story now. We're all gonna stand and we're gonna sing We Three Kings. Now, shepherds here, you've come dressed absolutely beautiful. You can go and sit down and we need any wise men or kings that we've got here this morning to come up on platform and any King Herods as well, because uh, for some strange reason, I can't fathom, he's in this bit of the story as well. So let's stand and sing, We Three Kings.
1: Fantastic, come and sit down, yes. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there were wise men from the east who came to Jerusalem seeking the one born king of the Jews. They'd seen his star in the east and came to worship him. First, they came to King Herod, who was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He sent the wise men off to Bethlehem, asking them to search for the child and then report back to him so he could worship him too, but in reality, Herod was up to no good.
0: Which is all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? You know, rather implausible. I mean, why would King Herod be worried about the arrival of a tiny little baby in Bethlehem? Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him Give over. Kings in the ancient world were concerned with the real world of politics, not the arrival of tiny little babies. Well,
1: if I'm honest, I'm not quite sure about why Herod saw baby Jesus as such a threat, Mr Skeptic. But that is what the Bible says, and so that's what I'm going to believe.
2: Well, really, really, both of you are as bad as each other, just hopeless. I
0: beg your pardon? Yeah, what do you mean?
2: Well, the reason why Herod was so terrified was because this baby born in Bethlehem was a huge political threat to him. It's amazing how you, Mr Uncritical, and you, Mr Skeptic, have both managed to miss this. Herod was utterly determined to present himself as the true king of Israel why do you think he spent such a fortune rebuilding the temple in jerusalem or his fortress at masada he wanted people to think that he was the messiah god's special king and the thing that he feared above anything else was this being challenged oh
0: come now mrs reasonable i'm prepared to engage with a lot of what you've said this morning but if you're trying to tell me if you're trying to convince me that jesus the little baby in the manger was any sort of threat to the political status quo Well, I'd be hard-pressed to believe it.
1: As would I. As a sincere Christian, the last thing I'd be happy with is any sense of the birth of Jesus being political and challenging the status quo. As we all know, religion and politics should never, ever mix.
2: And you're both 100% wrong on this. Hopelessly and dangerously wrong herod was right to be scared to bits of jesus because herod was precisely the kind of false king that jesus was coming to rid the world of and it wasn't just herod when luke tells his christmas story he has the angels taking titles used of the emperor augustus titles like saviour and lord and prince of peace and giving them to jesus instead it was all one emphatic statement that Jesus was coming to rid the world of every single bit of evil oppression.
0: Well, you know what? I'm getting quite interested now. The, evil, the end of evil and oppression. I like the sound of that. I mean, after all, I do represent the Northern Heartlands. And I'm open to being persuaded too. I've always
1: seen Jesus as more of a, a religious figure than a political one. But if this is true... Then the rescue that he came to bring isn't just spiritual, but it's about bringing God's amazing justice to the world.
3: Now hold on just there. I'll have none of this talk. None of it! Do you hear? Get down here. I'm Herod, the true king of Israel. And I've worked for years to make sure that you lot don't realise the power, uh, the threat that Jesus had to my power. And now you're threatening that, Mrs. Reasonable. (laughs) I've got to get you out of the way so that Mr. Skeptic and Mr. Uncritical can carry on being blind to just how political the Christmas story is. That way, Christianity can carry on being the weak, inoffensive insipid thing that everyone here seems happy for it to be. <laughs> no, don't listen to her, boys. No, don't listen to her and her rubbish. I'm Augustus, the savior, the prince of peace and lord of the world. And the last thing I want is people picking up on the massive challenge that Jesus came to bring to the power of
1: tyrants like me. Most of the time, I manage to kid people with a slogan about peace, Pax Romana, whilst making the most of those people slaves. (laughs) And the last thing I want is you blowing the gap on this
0: Mrs. Reasonable.
2: Don't believe it, Mr. Skeptic. Mr Uncritical, don't believe what they're trying to tell you about the Christmas story. They're just trying to keep oppressive and evil power from being challenged and turn Christmas into a sweet, inoffensive, insipid story. Enough!
3: You don't need Mrs Reasonable. We'll get rid of her and you can go back to your tame, sweet Christmas. Yes, allow us to get rid of her and and you can all have a nice, relaxing, unchallenging
1: Christmas.
0: I'm not sure I like this, but What can we do? Nor do I. These evil rulers certainly seem worried that we might believe Mrs. Reasonable. But what's
2: to be done about it? Shout Jesus is Lord and King and get as many others to shout it with you as well. Then we'll see. Don't you dare shout Jesus is
3: King. I forbid it. And don't you dare shout Jesus is Lord.
1: I forbid it. Well, I don't know what difference you will make, but come on. Everyone, let's
0: try. Yeah, I'm confused as well. Well, let's have a go, everyone. On the screen are the words. I'm going to count one, two, three, and then we've got to say it really loudly all together. One, two, three. Jesus Jesus is Lord Lord and King.
3: King. Ah, I can't bear it. They've rumbled us, Augustus. Yes, they've realised that Jesus came as the king who would end the evil, oppressive rule of tyrants just like us. Let's have one last go at standing against them. I am Herod, the true King of Israel, and I forbid anyone to say otherwise! And I am Augustus, the Lord of the world, and I forbid anyone to say otherwise! No they aren't!
1: Are you ready everyone?
0: The words are on the screen, really loudly everyone, louder than ever before! One, two, three! Jesus Jesus is Lord and
3: King. King! River. Run for it, Augustus!
2: Well done, boys. That was a ah! near ah! thing. Ah!
1: Yes, and I have to admit that this morning has shown me that this story is so much more radical than I ever imagined. I realise now that being uncritical about Christmas story is asking. No searching questions about it has helped it to make it really tame, insipid and unchallenging. Christianity isn't about being an individual, spiritual rescue. It's about God's wonderful victory over every form of evil and oppression within this world. Thank you, Mrs Unreasonable.
0: Yeah, and I've got to admit as well that my scepticism has really been no better. I've been so suspicious of the Christmas story that I've managed to completely miss how deeply radical it is and how much it speaks into my longing for justice. It really is the most subversive story ever told. Thank you, Mrs. Reasonable.
2: It's a pleasure, boys. And now we've got rid of Herod and Augustus and we've understood the real power of the Christmas story, let's have everyone who's come in costume back up here on the stage and we'll all sing Away in a Manger.
0: All right, please sit down, everyone. I think it's time for this dodgy accent to go. Let's say a uh, let's say a prayer. Uh, it's been wonderful. We can't believe just how many people have come in costume. I think it's our best ever. It's fantastic. Let's say a prayer to God, asking that He'll help us this Christmas time. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that Christmas time is nearly here. We thank you for all the excitement, all the presents, and the food and seeing family and friends and all the excitement of Christmas. And we thank you that right at the centre of all of this is your love coming into the world to change it forever in baby Jesus. And we pray that you'd help us to remember how radical, how subversive, how exciting and life-changing the Christmas story is. And we pray that you bless us this Christmas time. Amen.